Hi, and a warm welcome to season three of Fail and Grow. Fail and Grow is now fully focused on operational excellence. We talk about revenue acceleration, sales and buyer enablement and customer experience. Everything that smoothens your operation and, of course, increase your revenue and profits. We are thrilled about the engagement we have gained thanks to this new niche. Uh, it seems like you, you guys out there, our audience, just simply love it. So thank you so much for listening. And if you do love it, please remember to rate us in your podcast provider. I will be very, very grateful for that. And today we will focus on something I'm very passionate about, as always, as you learn by now, who listens to this podcast, we will talk about sales enablement and how this can be implemented in your organization to reach a friction-free operational excellence. That's what we love. And Fail and Grow is powered by VLOXQ, your next generation CPQ tool that is seamlessly integrated with your favorite CRM and the rest of the ecosystem. And today, I'm very glad to say I have a girl named Becca Burns. She's Enablement Manager at Plio. And Becca, I'm so happy that you are a guest in today's episode of Failing Grow. Uh, welcome. Thank you. Thanks for the warm welcome. I'm very happy to be here. Lovely. Would you mind telling us a little bit about yourself and, of course, uh, Plio with your own words? Yeah, of course. So um, as you mentioned, my name is Becca and I've been working with Plio since January as the Enablement Manager. Uh, specifically for the SDR function. And Plio is a go-to spending solution for forward-thinking teams. So we enable employees to buy things that they need for work while keeping companies in full control of all spending. Sounds great. And um, we will definitely talk more about your role and also how you're implementing the sales enablement within the SDR team a little bit later on. But uh, first of all, I'm super curious if you prefer and you can have anything you'd like, what should I buy for you during an after work? <laughs> um, or in your glass. <laughs> yeah, sure. So it depends on the time of year, I guess. Yeah. Um, but probably Aperol spritz for Apres Ski this time of year. Mm -hmm. Although I maybe had <laughs> One too many at our ski trip with Cleo recently. Um, but yeah, during the summer, I'm sorry. You say things that it can happen. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <Oops. laughs> um, but yeah, during the summer, I'm, I'm definitely a margarita girl. I love a good margarita. Nice. I think it's very, very uh, wise choices. And I remember going to somewhere in the Italian Alps for four or five years ago with one of my best friends. And of course, we known about Aperol Spritz before, but it wasn't that big yet uh, back then, at least not in Sweden. Uh, and we were like, but it's a really nice color. And we, f we just thought it was so... I mean, I wouldn't say disgusting, but not not good either. But after drinking one, it was like, maybe it wasn't that bad at all. And we were just drinking a broad spritz throughout the whole, the whole, yeah, the ski week. Because, we, yeah, we just fell in love with it. I don't know. Was it the same for you? Or Yeah, I think, like, it used to be for me more of a summer drink. But yeah, if other people have it on the slopes, then I want one too. <laughs> Why not? Why not? Well, thank you for sharing. Looking forward to share that approach space with you sometime soon. Uh, whatever else. I love skiing. Maybe you do too. Oh, yeah, definitely. Love it. Great. And I'm also very curious about your funniest and work-related fuck-up that you uh, dare, if I should say so, uh, share to the audience today. Yeah, I don't know if I have any that are that funny. <laughs> I think most of the ones I look back at, I kind of irk. <laughs> at 
Um, I'm sure there's a list, but I, I decided to choose one from earlier on in my career. Um, so for one of my first jobs after university, I was working as a marketing coordinator for an agency, which roughly translated to doing all sorts of activities from social media management to content creation to stunting in promotional videos like the list goes on. Um, and we had an upcoming project that I had my eyes on to coordinate an event for a local nonprofit. And I think there was maybe like 300 people or so in attendance. And so as soon as they started making assignments, I raised my hand right away and I got the chance to manage the coordination with the vendors and also the timeline for the day of. Um, so we were getting closer to the day. I was checking all of the boxes, super proud of like what we were pulling together. And then on the day of the event, the comedian group that we had hired who was performing, they arrived and started walking up to me. And apparently I had forgotten to tell them um, about the fact that the event was outdoors. So they were dressed in like really light t-shirts and shorts and it was a bitter <laughs> fall day. So um, at that point I was panicking because the event was in full flow. So it was impossible for them to go home and, and change clothing. Um, so I had to recruit a few people and get some jackets so that they could wear them <laughs> during the performance. But it gave me an early appreciation for project management. Um, and also I think I have like day before paranoia for any event. So I'm always like very attentive to the details. <laughs> I love that you're sharing this and I, I know it the, the day before paranoia. <laughs> I have a, a dear friend working at Get Accept, obviously a previous colleague, uh, Louisa Larsson. And every time there's a big event, and I mean, she has working with, with that a lot uh, since I left. And now she has moved on, but to another role at Get Accept. But I always write her on Instagram, like, how are you, dear? She's like, you know the feeling. <laughs> oh my gosh, bless you too. It's always good to get those texts right before just to make sure. Like, <laughs> you can always text me in the in the in the future. Maybe you don't uh, do that in your role today. I, I guess not. But if ever, you feel free to reach out. And thank you for sharing. It's a it's a small thing, but I can really imagine the feeling when you stood there. And you, I mean, you also want everyone at the event like look proper that people should recognize you guys and etc etc you can't just yeah add whatever clothing yeah <laughs> yeah exactly doesn't work exactly. like that <laughs> okay thank you so much for sharing Becky. and now we're gonna uh, jump into and deep dive into uh, sales enablement and i think we might just start with I mean, maybe a short summary from, from your point of view. What is it uh, to begin with? Uh, I mean, I'm, I'm sure many people have heard about it, but from your point of view, how would you describe sales enablement? Yeah. Um, so I've worked with sales enablement in different ways um, throughout my sales career, and it, it really is defined differently depending on the organization you're in and the stage that they're at as well. Um, I think like in general, the way that I would um, define sales enablement is that it's all about elevating others to be the best in their role. But ultimately, I think that enablement in most organization, it places the customers in the center of all business decisions. 
yeah, very nice way of putting it together. And how how did you realize that you like this, you're passionate about this, you want to work with this? What was it something, some kind of breakthrough or a hard moment or or whatever? Yeah. Um, well, in the past, like at Albacross, the previous company I worked at, I didn't work formally as a sales enablement professional, um, but I was the head of sales. And so I really needed to make sure that I was creating an onboarding and learning environment um, that enabled new sales team members to get ramped up quickly, to deliver quickly, and also to just be confident in their roles. And so during that time when I was building out the onboarding and the training materials, um, I just realized how passionate I was about elevating people and seeing them grow within the organization. You know, from day one to month six, it was just so fun to see how they um, took on new challenges and depending on how how we focused their training, they were able to get up to speed quickly. Nice, interesting. And what would you say is the, the key ingredients in sales enablement if if one should start okay but we have sales enablement department department or we don't have it or what is like the key things where where do you start and what do you have to have in place to get going i think ultimately there there really needs to be a clear strategy and vision for where enablement fits into the organization um, and as a second part of that, I think there needs to also be alignment with leadership on how enablement will work together with them to enable team members. Because if you have an enablement team that's coaching and training sales team members and there's no follow through and reinforcement of that from leadership, um, then people forget what they've learned and they're not applying those things. So I think that first and foremost is very important. Um, but there's really three like aspects, at least, that we're working at within Plio, and that's enablement content, um, which includes both customer-facing content, so that could be success stories, case studies, um, buyer role-specific presentations, as well as internal enablement content, like sales playbooks. Um, the second thing is training for sales readiness and skills development. So this is where onboarding comes in. We're actually in the process of just launching the SDR and AE onboarding programs at Plio. Um, and this is a way to make sure that they have that fundamental knowledge to be ready in their role right. and then having consistent training um, moving forward. And then the third thing is the coaching services. So just reinforcing again, the content, the training services that we're providing. Interesting. Would you mind uh, sharing a bit what is successful at Plio and the new onboarding parts for the SDRs and AEs that you're now rolling out? I mean, maybe some keystones or things that you you think might help help other people to onboard. I guess in this case, new hires and make sure they ramp up in a short time. And also, the tricky part, I would say that many of my friends that are having some kind of leading role non depending if it's sales or wherever uh, to i mean have coaching on a regular basis and and steal people's time for that and to i mean more or less um, make people understand why it's so important um would you share a bit of how, how your new program look like I mean, these are all common questions and problems and that we were facing as well um, before the enablement function came in. Uh, the way that we're doing it right now at PLEA that I think is 
is a new way of looking at it, at least from my perspective. Of course, I'm three months into to it, but um, having a role-based enablement team. So each of the enablement team members within Plio have a role that they're 100% focused on. And for me, that's the SDR individuals. They're my end user. Um, so once I understand like the role and responsibilities and what are the competencies that are required of them, I can kind of work backwards um, to make sure that we're creating onboarding and learning curriculum programs that are relevant to, to make them successful. So I think it's important to really understand what is the role and what are we trying to achieve. Um, and then from there, we've created milestones um, for their growth and within the milestones levels. So just as an example, we have milestone one as a completion of onboarding. And that milestone one is comprised of four levels. So we have level one, which is just the functional onboarding. Um, they understand their company and team and how it's built up and what's important, the vision, mission, and values. Um, they also have you know, the proper setup with their sales tools and they understand how to use them. Level two would be product and landscape knowledge. So getting to know the product fundamentally, uh, understanding you know, what are the benefits of the features so that they can turn the features into benefits when they're selling, um, right. as well as the landscape. So understanding what companies are selling to, what are the personas and how to pitch to the different personas. Uh, then level three is sales process and methodology. So understanding where they fit in to the sales process. Um, and level four is the actual readiness, which is where we have an exam, for example, um, and certain activities that they need to complete to get to that milestone one certification. Wow. Uh, it feels like you're well taken care of when you're uh, starting in a new role uh, at Plio. But I guess also, what, where would you recommend really start working with these pieces? I mean, you were, how many were you in the in, uh, sales development team? You were three, four, no? Yeah, we're three at the moment. Mm. We'll be five yeah. this month. Mm. Mm, nice. Uh, where would you recommend, I mean, how many, sh is it to, uh, the amount of people you should hire or the amount of people you already have in your team? When ought you have someone working with uh, obviously internal enablement to maximize everyone's role and, and effect for the customers. You mean like in terms of, of how many people on the enablement team we should have based off of the number of reps or? Uh, no, sorry, it's me being un <laughs> unclear. I mean, should you have like 20 sales reps, then you hire the first uh, enablement person or where? when should you start with this really? when? Do the sales manager no longer maybe focus on mainly on this, focusing on other stuff? So now should you start hire someone within sales enablement? Um, it's a really good question. I think um, I don't know if I have a, a great answer to it. I, I don't know if I have yet enough experience, but just from being at Albacross, which was a team of 16 salespeople, whereas now being at Plio, where um, by the end of the year, I mean, we're going to be over 200 people in the sales team. I think it's, it's important to just see what are the company challenges and where are, are the limitations within the, the team. Because if you have sales managers that 
are really good at managing and being a part of the strategy and creating structure, but maybe need support with content and um, and training programs, and they're not able to right. get that within the organization, then it's time. So maybe you, sh- you ought to have like a growing team and you must be more or less maybe 20, 30 people within the sales team, maybe. Then you should start thinking about, okay, how do the managers or team leads spend their time? Could we do this more effectively? Maybe something like that. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, it all depends on on the the strengths and the skill set of the team that exists already. Sure. What kind of tools do you use to to support the training and coaching and um, yeah everything that you that you try to provide these guys and girls with? Yeah. Um, so we are using Seismic and Lessonly. Uh, Lessonly as the LMS, and that's where we're putting a majority of of the lessons and online training. Have you like connected to that to the some intranet or is the intranet within the LMS system? I this is a stupid question, so no, no, <laughs> it's okay if someone out there laughs at me in our thumb. No <laughs> stupid okay. questions. Mm-hmm. Um, no, so everything is connected to HubSpot. So they're working with in the CRM HubSpot, and they're able to access all of the documentation, like product documentation, um, in Seismic through through that integration. Mm-hmm. Um, for Lessonly, they just get a, an account when they sign up with Plio and um, like any new joiner, I mean. And so then once they're activated, they can start accessing the onboarding programs and training materials. Okay. Okay. I see. What would you, do you say is the tricky part working with Seismic? Maybe if you take this, the roller thing you're doing right now or in general working with Seismic, what's the tricky parts? Hmm. I think that there's, I mean, it's always tricky, um, regardless of the role, when you're working with multiple departments. I think right now um, there's, you know, things are moving very quickly for us. We're hiring a lot of people. There's a lot of changes. Um, really? And Going a lot of, to the Alps. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Taking a couple of days to ski. Um, no, but I think it's, there's a lot of new teams, so we're learning how to work together efficiently and not have, uh, you know, silos, which is, it's really easy to do. So I, I think the team, that's the one thing I really love about Plio. It's such a strong culture and people are there to work together. And so I think there's a lot of things that are happening right now internally that are helping us to come together to be more efficient just as a team, working with product marketing, um, working with sales operations and, and the sales leaders. Interesting. And maybe the most important point of view, and you talked about it a little bit in the beginning, from the customer perspective, why would you say that Plio feels that this is so important that they hire uh, apparently uh, more people to your team as well. And why the second question within that first one, (laughs) why do you think this is important for the customer's point of view? Yeah, I think I think the best acknowledgments of what we're working on in enablement internally um, could be like a message from a prospective customer sharing, wow, this was such an incredible buying experience, or I love your sales process. And I think mm. like as a customer, you want to speak to someone who cares and who really, who knows your business, who asks relevant questions to ensure 
that what they're selling really matches and fulfills your need. Um, mm. So I think, you know, our goal as a function, but truly as an organization at Plio is to make every client interaction count, uh, to make every touch point meaningful and relevant so that customers continue to spread the word about what we're doing. Mm. So it's like an overall business strategy, more or less. Yeah. Interesting. How common would you say it is that companies do have sales enabler, uh, if I can call you guys so? <laughs> um, I think it's becoming more common. I think, um, you know, I'm in a network called Pavilion and I, I see a lot of companies are putting out job ads for sales enablement now in Europe. Like in the US, I think there's it's maybe a bit more common in, in SaaS. Uh, I think that they're a little bit further ahead in terms of like building out enablement functions. Um, but I'm seeing it now in Germany. I had someone reach out to me from a company um, in France that wanted to just connect because we're few and far in between. So I'm seeing it becoming more popular, um, but we have a ways to go still. What kind of, um, maybe not people, but if you should start building your sales enablement department, uh, what kind of uh, qualifications, experience, people, if you will, would you recommend us searching for what is, what is important? Yeah, I think it's really important to have a sales background. Um, I want to see someone who has been there, done it and felt the pain of being an SDR and an account executive who's seen, um, you know, what some of the challenges are so that they can relate to the role. Uh, someone who has some project management skills is really important. So understands how to see through a project, not just set up the structure of it, but actually follow through and measure success of it. Um, I think another thing I, I like to look for is someone who has a, a form of management experience, um, who has a bit of executive presence and has led a team before. It could even be as like a team lead for a BDR team or an account executive team. Um, and someone who's just passionate about the role because it really is, I mean, it's an amazing role. You get the chance to enable, elevate others. And I want someone who is really passionate and, and curious about the, the field. That's good advices, really. Um, maybe it's tricky to say, but do you have, I mean, how do you guys get measured? How can you see the effect and results of increasing the smoothness within the, the within the team how what yeah more or less uh, what results could you expect to see yeah i think i think for for me personally of course i want to see that there's completion of all of the course and all of the lessons there's attendance and engagement um i would say like effects and results for for the end user and for the company we're seeing like faster ramp times a better adoption of processes and tools, uh, the way that we're really measuring the effectiveness specifically of the onboarding programs is time to first activity or time to first meeting um, or time to first deal in the case of the account executives. Interesting. Um, is there something else you would like to add uh, in general about sales enablement or about how you've been working with the SDRs at the moment? Uh, yeah. 
you feel feel free <laughs> no i think it's um it's been a very exciting time i've only been in plio for three months and we've built out this sdr onboarding program um that we're putting into place in lisbon this month so i'm just very excited to you know be a part of the team and to see the other side of this because i i really um, I see so much value in, in what we're doing and what other companies are doing, investing in enablement. So, Good to hear. Good to hear. And thank you so much for, uh, for sharing your, uh, your expertise, I would say, even though, I mean, you've been working with this for, for three months, but you can really feel the passion that you had about it. And I, I'm sure you have worked, uh, I mean, maybe not as your main main challenge, but you have worked with this for a long time. It's, it, it really sounds. So thank you so much for sharing your knowledge about this. Thank you. And now it's time for an earlier podcast guest to uh, say hi to you and also give you a random business related question. So as always, I will try to manage this in a good way and hopefully I prepared it right. Hello, this is Simon Severino, CEO of Strategy Sprints. My question to you is, if you take on next week 10 times more clients than this week, which part of your process breaks first? I would say, I mean... And this goes for, and, and maybe this doesn't answer the question. So tell me if I'm not answering the question. Uh, you completely open, so you are free <laughs> to answer exactly how you want it. Yeah. So I, I think I've experienced this in a lot of different uh, companies I've worked at. Like, you're bringing on more and more clients, and um, you want to make sure that you're able. I, I think as a salesperson. Like I, if I put myself in the shoes of an account executive, you want to promise them the world and more. Um, and sometimes you're not ready for that, right? So I think that that's something that's really important um, for us specifically in enablement, working together with product and product marketing and sales leaders to align on what is possible for the markets that we're selling into. Um, so I would say that would probably be one of the product knowledge and making sure that we're selling to the right people at the right time mm. yes. um, would be the be area proactive. where I'd want to focus. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> to be proactive. Yeah. That is actually a really interesting one, uh, how you collaborate with other parts at Plio. And maybe I should ask it earlier on. So sorry for everyone out there not thinking that I'm following my, 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 my playbook here, but uh, if you'd like to answer just how, how do you work with other departments? Uh, do they also have, I mean, enabling persons or do you have the responsibility too that goes within, as you said, proud that the market and everything, uh, how, how does it work for in Plio? Yeah. So we work very closely with product marketing. Um, and so end with sales operations because a lot of education needs to be, or like documentation and training, um, needs to be focused on the process and the product. And so, um, oftentimes what we're doing is submitting requests for certain knowledge areas or knowledge gaps to product marketing or to operations, and then working to together to create training materials. Um, mm. 
but yeah. And then when it comes to sales leaders, we just have our ear to to the ground on what's working, what's not working, what are the conversions like, what can we speed up, um, and what needs to be fixed. Interesting. And what would you say is the biggest difference between sales enablement and sales operations? What, uh, where do you have share responsibility or don't you at all? Mm. Um, I would say in this context, we definitely have shared responsibility when it comes to the tooling. Uh, mm. They're the ones who are making the decisions, of course, with mm. like consult from leadership and um, enablement as well. But we're the ones who are working with the change management and the training mm. on how to use the tools in an efficient mm. way. Interesting. I mean, we could go on for hours here. It's, it's uh, an interesting topic and it's also quite tricky, I would say, because I feel for many, at least for me, it's quite new and uh, maybe it's very clear what the goal is to have that friction free. I mean, both custom experience and also onboarding and everything for the sales rep. But uh, uh, I would suggest we do another one in a year from now and you can talk about all the learnings that you have gained during that year. It would be really, really, really fun to hear. I'm sure this topic will be as relevant as it is now in a year from now. Maybe 20% more of the companies listening to this actually have a stage enablement uh, on them. I hope so. Yeah, I hope so. I hope so too. <laughs> uh, so I will wrap this up with thank our sponsors, Yada Yada, editing every episode. Very grateful for that. And also stir up you that continuously to uh, try to make this podcast show better and better. So thank you so much. You are great. And if I would ask you, Becky, uh, if you would like maybe listen to someone yourself within the podcast show, maybe that is passionate about some sales operations, enablement, excellence, buyer enablement, digital operations, revenue operations, whatever, <laughs> connected to operational excellence. Do you have a name in top of your mind that you would like to listen to a person? Mm, I have so many that are coming top of mind, but Mallory from Demo Desk. Uh, she's one of my inspiration uh, people that I go to whenever I need a, a boost. And she has so much knowledge and experience. So. Lovely. I would love if you, uh, we'd be very grateful if you connected us. And also if you had, I mean, some idea of uh, subjects, topics that we could talk about, uh, feel free to, to ask it from her. Uh, that would be great. Sure. Will do. Thanks so much. And if one would like to get in contact with you, is it LinkedIn, like everyone says, or is another channel that you prefer? Yeah, LinkedIn's it. <laughs> <laughs> LinkedIn's it. Why make it complicated? <laughs> Great. And before we uh, say cheers and have a great weekend, uh, we have that, I mean, it's soon summer, right? So we can have that margarita in our hands. Uh, which song are we uh, listening to when I see that big smile on your lips and I just see, okay, this was a good week for, for Becky. Yeah. Okay. So I would say I want to dance with somebody by Whitney Houston. That's a great one. <laughs> it's a great one. Well, thank you so much uh, for sharing your, your knowledge, expertise, and also your energy. And I wish you the best of weekends. You too. Thank you so much for having me.
算。